Welcome to Beyond the Hour of Code, the podcast to help you use programming to teach core content. I'm Sam Patterson, and in episode five, we're talking about Blockly-based programming in apps. For a more detailed discussion, check out my new book, Programming in the Primary Grades, Beyond the Hour of Code. Why Blockly? So Blockly is the visual programming script that Google developed, and it looks like puzzle pieces. And there are versions of this that show up all over the place in apps and web-based interfaces that we can use for programming with our students. Blockly-based apps allow students to get programming fast. In a 45-minute class period, a student can complete multiple iterations of a functioning video game, animation, or model using Blockly-based programming. The speed of creation is especially astonishing to anyone who spent time working in the text-based programming syntax. The work the students are doing in Hopscotch, Tickle, and Tinker in grades two through four is preparing them to be productive in Scratch in grades four through eight. Basically, at my school, I have a continuum of Blockly-based programming that gets my students ready to do advanced modeling and uh, equations and kind of computation machine type programming by the time they're in middle school. When students work in several different apps that are based on Blockly, they're able to transfer lessons learned between one programming environment and the other, even when the syntaxes are not identical. The fluid use of apps also helps students practice learning. So to be clear, what I'm talking about isn't dedicating yourself to getting your students totally awesome at hopscotch or absolutely expert in tickle, but really looking at Blockly-based programming as a family of invitations to program and create that all have different strengths. And you can actually use some of the leveled apps to prepare students to be successful in the Open Studio apps. There are many tablet-based programming apps available. And honestly, I think that we've just seen the beginning of it because these apps are they're successful. When someone creates an app that allows students to express themselves quickly using programming concepts, that becomes popular, especially when you look at tools like the Foos and the Foos Studio. As these leveled apps expand, they're adding open studio elements. Leveled apps in Blockly are the ones that give students a graduated introduction to programming concepts or tools in the app through a series of sequentially more difficult or challenging or interesting levels. As a student completes one level, they get a certain number of stars or coins or what have you that provides feedback, usually based on is the code they created the most efficient or elegant way to solve that problem. If not, they might get two stars instead of three. They have an opportunity to repeat. These leveled apps guide students step by step through the process of building something, usually something designed by the software developers, and the goal more often than not, is a stated goal of teaching kids computer science concepts. And that's great work to do. And we need the apps to do that work. Because as teachers, if we're not computer science teachers, it's difficult for us to find a great deal of class time we can dedicate to teaching computer science concepts. But if we have these leveled apps in the mix, and during our technology time or our choice time or 
whenever we can find an opportunity, we get students in these level apps working together and get them talking about what they're learning and what they're doing, then we can get them comfortable with these computer science concepts and begin to use them to support our core content instruction. Now, before we get onto that, let's talk a little bit about what it takes to make students successful with leveled apps in the classroom. One of the most important things to realize is all of these apps have tutorials in them. And despite the fact that you may be able to teach your students more quickly about a concept, don't undercut the tutorial. If the tutorial is there, use it because you want your students to look inside that app for resources to solve their problems first. If you rewrite the app's tutorial and present it to your students, you are saying to them, I am the source of all information for this app. And that is not going to work because you want students to be figuring things out and solving their own problems, not raising their hands and waiting for you to come around and try to solve their problem. Focus on communication and problem solving. When we look at the time we spend working on programming in class, it's difficult to justify if our only goal is to teach the students computer science concepts. But if we take this opportunity to have students work in pairs and talk about what they're doing, what we're really doing is we're focusing on communication, collaboration, and problem solving. This is powerful. And this is where many of the teachers I work with actually find the time to get the students through the leveled apps. We use it as an opportunity to build social and emotional skills. We talk about perseverance. We talk about problem solving. We talk about working with each other. And the opportunities that come out of that are awesome. Along those lines, when students are working, teach a little less. Hang back and watch their body language. Generally, if students are really successful, you're gonna see fist pumps, you're gonna see small celebrations. If students aren't, you're gonna see slumped shoulders, you're gonna see face and hands, etc. all of which are great invitations for you to walk over and have a conversation with that student and help them get back on track with trying to solve their problem or recruit another student to help that student get back on track. Lastly, and most importantly, build in time for reflection. Often the difference between play and playful learning is this opportunity to talk about what we've learned, what we figured out, come back to it and kind of sit with that a little while with each other in a group and think about what it means and what we learned and how that's going to change the work we do together in the future. When it comes to supporting learning in my classroom, I love the creative self-expression that is accessible through a number of Open Studio apps. Open Studio programming apps like Scratch Junior, Tickle, the creative side of Tinker, Hopscotch, and even the Foo Studio require a very different support strategy in the primary grades. An Open Studio app doesn't have levels, goals, points, stars, or many built-in motivational supports at all. So whereas with the leveled app, you didn't have much access to what was happening inside the app, but you could kind of put the kids on it and focus on social interactions with the Open Studio app, teachers have to really design that digital learning experience so the students have a sense of what they can do when they come to the app, but you need to create a situation where you can still have a lot of choice inside of that. Now, we talk more about building digital learning experiences in other episodes, but what I really want to talk about here are 
the tips for success when you're teaching in an open studio app. One of them is to balance direction and discovery. There's a lot to figure out in an open studio app. And the last thing you want to do is tell your kids everything that's important or interesting in it that will bore them to death and kill all the fun. Instead, what you want to do is figure out what blocks they need to know to absolutely get started and make some judgment calls about what blocks they're going to be really jazzed about when they discover them. For example, in Scratch Junior, I teach the motion blocks. I never teach the sound blocks. When one of the students discovers that sound block, I can watch that knowledge move and hear it move around the room. And that is really cool because the fact that that student found that and shared it with other students changes the relationship between those students. And I'm always looking at how is this lesson, how is this learning experience building community in the classroom? And if I can kind of disrupt the established knowledge economy in the classroom, get different students to show valuable information, get students to look elsewhere besides the teacher's face for a solution to a problem, that's awesome. And when I see those moments of discovery and sharing, that's what's going on there. You really wanna connect the challenge to the content. This is actually a great way for students to do something super fun with what you've been learning. Think about it. If you've been learning about honeybees in an open studio app, you could have them create a movie about honeybees. You could have them create a game about honeybees. You could have them design an interactive story about honeybees. And you can give them the opportunity to use a bunch of the information. They can make choices about which parts of that information they want to use. To be successful in an open studio app, you really do need to design that digital learning experience. Prep for the lesson by designing a code project populated with activities. In, learning through in the learning through code chapters that I have later on in the book, you can read some very detailed examples of this. In general, imagine that instead of creating a packet at the photocopier or a uh, graphic organizer, you're doing that same work inside of this app. You can fill the app with images and characters and assets if you want that you can then share with the kids, or you can have an appropriate number of blank spaces that they then need to populate with information they've come up to. But you can build these activities inside of studio programming apps like Hopscotch and Scratch Jr. If your kids end up popping out of the app a lot, help them out by using guided access. Typically this is used to restrict students access to certain apps, but with my little ones, I've found this just helps them not accidentally end up out of the app, especially if there's more than one of them working on the iPad. Sometimes the eight finger touch can really confuse the machine and it'll just dump the app it's in. And remember, when we're talking about programming apps and learning, our goal here is that you as the teacher don't have to be a programming expert, but you should know each platform well enough to help the students transfer their understanding from one app to the other. Thank you for learning with me today. I hope you visit beyondthehourofcode.com and join the community of teachers working to use programming as a mode of creative academic expression. My book hits the shelves in late March and you can pre-order it at beyondthehourofcode.com forward slash Amazon. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a review if you like the show. I'm Sam Patterson, and this is Beyond the Hour of Code.